0: So we have been talking about the opioid crisis in this province for years now and you know what it's just it's just not getting better. Take a listen to this. Just yesterday, HS issued a public alert following a recent spike in opioid related EMS responses in Edmonton. From November 29th to December 5th, there were 140 EMS responses to opioid related calls over the last month. EMS responded to between 57 and 102 calls. A week. We know that deaths continue to mount from opioid overdoses. But today, or this week at least, a bit of good news. The Alberta government became the first in Canada to fully cover the cost of the injectable opioid treatment drug, Sublocade. How does it work? Why is it important in this battle? Let's find out with Dr. Monty Gosh, who is the president of the Alberta Medical Association's Addiction Medicine Section and so much more. You're frontline with this, Dr. Gosh. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right. So what is supplicade? How, what is it and how does it work?
1: So supplicate is a new formulation of what we call buprenorphine. So it's an opiate agonist treatment that we use to treat opiate use disorder. Um, It's commonly used as what we call suboxone. Um, So that's the, the usual medication formulation. So it's usually put underneath the tongue. It dissolves. But individuals have to take it on a daily basis Mm. and that proves to be a barrier for many people.
0: So what does it do to the body? Does it reduce cravings? Does it make someone sick if they use? How does it work?
1: so what it does is it reduces as you said mentioned yeah cravings but also withdrawal symptoms oh, okay. and al- allows people to be focused on their own wellness and overall quality of life so that's what the key of suboxone is uh, but it's again very difficult to take on a daily basis for many people that's a barrier um, and also for people who are working uh, or they're going overseas for example as well it becomes a barrier for them to have Uh, to take this medication on a daily basis. So an alternative is definitely required, and this is definitely an alternative for them. So
0: the injectable sublocate lasts for about 30 days, right?
1: Exactly. It lasts for about a month.
0: Okay. Well, so that's good news on many fronts. I mean, you're not having to take it every day, but I I have to think that for families who, you know, have someone in their world who use um, that constant worry about, uh, an overdose or, or or whatever I mean it, this might give them a bit of breathing room a bit.
1: 100% so we do have data that suggests that suboxone, buprenorphine uh, and sublicate to help reduce the risk of overdoses Good. it helps people maintain themselves in recovery Um, and uh, and it's very important for their overall wellness Um, and unfortunately though with uh, with the cost of Mm sublocate that's a barrier for many people to be on it Uh, so this is welcome news from the Alberta government that they're actually paying for this they're willing to pay for this drug Um, I'll have a lot of patients who are working the oil rigs in the north and for them it's very difficult to take there's a box on a regular basis over there Um, so this is definitely alternative for them Uh, this helps them with their well-being they don't have to worry about taking their dose on a daily basis memory to take their dose, if they're working extra hours, mm-hmm. uh, they don't feel like they have to take time off to get their medication. Um, it's, it's an overall good thing.
0: Yeah, and, and so when you heard this news, especially given the cost, I, I mean, you must have thought, oh my goodness, okay, we have at least another tool in the toolbox here.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, it's it, and it's such a crucial tool for many populations. Um, Suboxone is great, but again, it's not ideal for some people. Uh, my pl- clients who are experiencing homelessness, those mm-hmm. who working in the oil rigs, uh, those who are in are uh, exiting corrections, for example, and those who get lost to care once they enter the community. This is a reasonable option for them. Um, it's a timely option. Uh, And because of the ramping deaths that are occurring in the opioid crisis, we need as many options as possible to help deal with patients who have opioid use disorder.
0: So doctor, one of the things that uh, I understand about this, uh, uh, for someone to use this, uh, they have to be diagnosed with opioid dependency first. How much of a challenge is that uh, in, in different
1: communities? You know, it's getting better and better in our province. So this is definitely a challenge for some communities, but with the virtual opiate agonist treatment program, Mm -hmm. or I should say the virtual ODP program, um, there's more access than ever before. Anybody can just call a number um, that the Alberta government has provided on their website, and they can get access to a doctor who can help prescribe them this medication uh, and the service runs from nine to nine uh, every day, seven days a week. Um, so there's definitely options that are out there. They can even go to the emergency department to get access to this medication. Almost all emergency departments in the province are, are uh, have doctors who are educated on mm. prescribing this medication. Um, so it's uh, the you know the government and NHS really trying to make this as barrier free as possible.
0: And and. And you, being diagnosed with it, I, I, I'm thinking that opens up the conversation about maybe ongoing treatment or, you know, other things, you know, health issues, getting possibly, you know, your work-life balance if that's what it is, or housing if it's needed. That opens up um, other treatment um, or other tools in the treatment protocol.
1: And that's the key, as you just mentioned right there. We call it uh, recovery capital. It's all about providing overall wellness for the individual, and that wellness doesn't necessarily mean abstinence. Uh, What that wellness means is it means access to issues that affect their quality of life. So that can can include mental health, housing, income support, uh, re-establishing relationships with families. Uh, reducing stress at work mm. uh, and all of this leads to uh, to better recovery and again recovery is very individualized yeah um, yeah it doesn't mean abstinence I think that's a common misconception um, but it just means greater wellness for the individual as a whole
0: you have been on the front lines of this for a number of years now you have been uh, received awards for the work that you have done uh, on on this front what else I mean and, we, and we've talked about them over and over again but what? else do we still need to see happen in this province
1: you know i I think what we need to see is a is is a good balance between harm reduction supports as well as recovery oriented supports it's not one or the other it's a full comprehensive Mm -hmm. endeavor um and it goes beyond just harm reduction and recovery it includes things such as decriminalization uh, we definitely need to push for that as well, and further education on substance use disorder and further prevention of substance use disorder. And and that includes access to housing, better supports for mental health. Um, it's a comprehensive approach that's difficult to do uh, given the limited resources, and, and and this is nationwide. We're all having difficulty mm-hmm. dealing with this pandemic, sorry, this epidemic, <laughs> as well as the pandemic. And and um, and uh, again, we it's a multi-pronged approach, and we have to have as many tools at the table to deal with this as possible, but that's difficult to do, it's difficult to coordinate. Uh, and that's the push we should be having. So more access to IO programs, uh, you know, having more supervised consumption services using the virtual supervised consumption services that exist such as yeah. DOORS, BRAVE and NORS. Uh, all of these are tools that have to happen in conjunction with access to treatment, uh, access to recovery oriented services, such as uh, treatment beds and addiction treatment, ser- addiction treatment facilities. There's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah, Yeah. lots, lots, exactly. You
0: know, just one thing before we go. I I have appreciated during our conversation um, the words that you use when you're talking about this. For example, for example, substance use disorder. How important is it in in reducing the stigma uh, around drug use? To use terminology that is maybe not as accusatory
1: i think it's incredibly important i think when you call it substance use disorder you define it as a medical diagnosis and i think that's the barrier that many people have when they try to understand Mm -hmm. uh, opiate use disorder Mm -hmm. so they think it's a moral failing it's a behavioral choice Mm -hmm. uh and it's definitely not it's a medical diagnosis much like anything else such as liver disease heart disease diabetes uh, and we need to treat it as such and uh and if we do treat it this way i think it takes away a lot of the stigma but also mm-hmm. a lot of uh a lot of the actions that we have towards this such yeah. as discrimination uh such as criminalization yeah. um all of these things need to be removed and we need to really treat people who have substance use disorders with the respect that we would give to anybody else who has a medical yeah. diagnosis
0: it's still a long way to go on that front because there's still a lot a lot of people out there who believe it's all a choice Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, long way to go. Thank you for your work on this front. No, thank you
1: very much for having me here. I
0: always appreciate uh, your time. Uh, Dr. Monigosh joining me this afternoon. Ghost, Dr. Monigosh joining me this afternoon. Again, has been on the uh, front lines of, of the situation here in this province, in this city for a number of years.